Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with the cup after supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, this is now Paul speaking, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. Amen. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and blood of the Lord. So let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. Hallelujah. The first thing I want to bring your attention to is that Paul received this revelation from the Lord himself. Now you know that he was not born again until after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. So I think that the Lord felt that this was important to convey if he gave it as direct revelation to Paul. So Paul's saying, I received this from the Lord himself, which means this is significant. Y'all need to pay attention. Right? Amen. But this whole process is what we call communion. Now, is it okay if I explain what communion is? I don't know if it's going there. Okay, so communion in the Greek, that word is called koinonia. Okay? And basically it just means to participate together. But it also means sharing intimately. Now, the Hebrew translation of this word, the root word is dabak, D-A-B-A-K. I don't know if I'm saying it right. And it refers to glue or cleaning or cleaving as the scripture that says in Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. So there's a union there that is understood. It also means in reference to how skin is attached to bone. That's your stuck. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, as I was reading this, said, if there's no skin on the bones, you're dead. Mm -hmm. This is the importance of communion, of us participating together, of us joining together intimately, sharing intimately in what the Lord did and in what he's saying to his disciples and he's what he's saying to you and me. That this is important. That I want you to keep doing this. This was not a one-time thing. He said, do this in remembrance of me and do it until I come again. And so we don't want to take the act or the um, effect of communion lightly. Amen. Because we need to understand that it was a process that Jesus went through to cling. He clung to the cross. Yes. And he clings to you and me. Yes. We are jointly fit together. Amen? Amen. Now the elements of communion are the bread and the cup. Now only the loose translation talk about it being wine. Okay, so basically it was a cup of whatever. Okay, don't want y'all actually to get hooked up on the wine part. Um, because it wasn't then what it is today. Yeah. But Jesus says he's the bread of life. Yes. Okay? Yes. Uh, let me run, let me go back real quick. Talking about stick clinging. 
Proverbs 18.24. And the only reason I mention this is because the Lord gave me a new revelation on the scripture. Proverbs 18.24 says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yes. Okay, that word sticks is the same word. Praise God. Same root word, divide, which means to cling to, to cleave. Okay? And this is what the Holy Spirit said. A brother is made from the same line of blood as you. And when you're born again, yeah. you are made from the same line of blood Come on. as Jesus. Yes. But his blood is so much greater yes. that there is a friend, Jesus, yes. that sticks closer yes. than a brother yes. because yes. of the bloodline. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so when we take communion, there's two elements, the blood and the bread, the body, which is the bread, the blood, which was the cup, the drink. John chapter 6, verse 35, is the time that he <coughs> referenced himself as I'm the bread of life. Now he also says and refers to himself as bread or the bread of life four other times in that chapter. So he's saying something. But I need you to understand, too, that this took place, he said this, the day after he fed the 5,000 plus women and children. Okay? So he had already had followers, and they, they were running to him, and he said, you know what? They're hungry. We're going to feed them. And he attended to their physical need so that he could present the word, so that he could explain some things. Yeah. Don't you know a crowd loves food? Yeah. Don't you know you got free food? People don't come. Yeah. Right? He demonstrated who he was after he gave them physical bread. Amen. During that whole process, he was demonstrating who he was. The very next day, he walked on water. Again, demonstrating who he was. And that he was not of this realm. And that this spiritual realm could intercept the natural realm. Then the crowds come back. And he said, I'm not going to feed them physically this time. He said, I'm going to give them what they really need. And that's when he said, I'm the bread of life. Yeah. I have more for you than you will ever get from physical bread. And then he asked them to participate. Communion. To participate. When he said, you must eat of my body and drink of my blood. And they either didn't understand, they couldn't relate, or they said, Oh, this is too hard. We can't do that. And they left. And Jesus was left with 12 out of 5,000 men, 12 decided to participate. Because he didn't say, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. He said, you must eat of my body which is the participation part, which is the body of Christ, mm -hmm. the church, 
the body of Christ, us fitly joined together. And he said, you must drink of my blood, which represented what he was getting ready to do and the transformation that happens to us. Yeah. And they were either clueless or they said it's too hard and they left. And Jesus was like, okay, Peter, aren't you going to go too? And he had a revelation and he said, Lord, I don't have anywhere else to go. Nothing else is important. Nothing else. And I want to participate with you. Amen. Glory to God. You know, when I think about Jesus being the bread of life, I physically see somebody making bread. And when you um, mix the ingredients and you've got that piece of dough on the table and you're folding it over and you're pushing it and you're folding it, the Passion Translation in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, the Passion says, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Do you know when you enfold ingredients in the bread, you will never be able to separate them again? Praise God. And we are enfolded yeah. into Lord. Christ. Yeah. So that all the old disappears. You can't take the eggs out of the bread once it's in there. Yeah. It disappears into the hole. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We disappear into the bread of life. Hallelujah. Side note. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem means house of bread. Oh, I didn't know that before. I thought that was pretty cool. Yes. So we understand the bread of life. We understand that component. What about the cup that represented his blood? And quickly, as quick as I can, I need you to understand that this that they were participating in was part of a Jewish tradition. So this was... Passover, yes. okay? And they celebrated with what they called the cedar meal. And during that meal, you had four cups, okay? So the first cup represents the cup of sanctification, which is separation. This was when the Israels were, Israelites were separated from the world, from the Egyptians, from one, those that didn't know God. First cup. Second cup is the cup of deliverance, which represents freedom from slavery. Okay, so they were brought out. And the third cup is the cup of redemption. Now, if you go to a traditional translation, it says, if you go to Luke 22, which is where the, the story originates, okay, that, that Paul was retelling, you'll see that Jesus did not partake of this third cup. He passed it. Why? It's the cup of redemption. He is redemption. Yeah. He did not need to participate yeah. in that. Yeah. It is who he is, but he passed it on to his disciples. Yeah. And then the fourth cup is the cup of restoration, and no one drank this. Because Jesus said he won't drink it yeah. until he comes again. That's right. That's right. Now, technically, there's five cups. And the last one is called the cup of wrath. 
and that's judgment, okay? After he comes again, there's a final judgment. But this also represents the sour wine that was put in his mouth at the cross. Mm. That's good. Cup of wrath. So we see that God had a whole lot more planned just by you taking a sip of wine and a little toasty to say, oh, I remember you, Jesus. I remember what you did on the cross. I need you to understand that there is a whole entire package here. Amen. That his redemption was paid in full. Which is why we can all the time talk about who we are in Christ and everything that belongs to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. When we drink his blood and eat his body, we're not remembering ourselves. We are not reminding ourselves just of what he did. We are participating. We are intimately joining in union with him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Tag, you're it. Praise the Lord. Wasn't that good? Amen. Amen. Still with the Pastor David, just one question before this up here. Praise the Lord. Just didn't want this to come off here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, my, my portion tonight is about, uh, about the body of Christ. Um, you know, in my experience uh, with the Lord and the church and communion and those things, uh, you know, we've heard so much already, but um, this has just have been on my heart for some years about, um, you know, there's many churches that they have communion. Um, there, there's some churches that have communion every Sunday. Um, and or they do it every month and all those different things. But uh, I just kind of want to shed some light on this. That way, that because we, you know, we're supposed to do this as as, as often, uh, doing this in remembrance. But uh, when I shed the little light on this, I, I don't, I don't, we don't want to ever uh, have a commandment of the Lord. We just do it. We just go through the motions, and it doesn't mean anything to us. But uh, let me just share some perspective here of what this, this means to me is, you know, when you're, how many of we're in a covenant with God? Yes. You know, just like in marriage, it's it's two people coming together and becoming one. And, and in order to come become one, each person has to give themselves to each other. And so oftentimes is, is that what we don't want communion to do is we don't want it to be just one-sided. I mean, we understand what Jesus has done for us, but we don't want it to be one-sided. Because if you, if you study the Bible, let me just share this with you. And uh, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12, we're going to start there tonight. Um, but the Lord Jesus gave his, his body for us but how many know we're the body of Christ? Yeah. But the Lord Jesus gave his body for us, but we also, we must also give our body for ourselves to him. You know, a, a, just a one-sided marriage is not going to last. How many know that? The, uh, two people have to give themselves one to another, and, and, it's, and it's in all circumstances. 
And so, you know, if communion is really going to mean uh, its its fullness to us, then uh, I'm just trying to describe this to, to the best of my ability, is when we take the bread or we take the cup, Jesus is giving everything that he is, everything that he has, everything that he has won for us, everything that he has done for us, he's giving that to us. And I'm not saying that, that, that we don't, we're not thankful or appreciative of that, but I, I want you to, to, to grab a hold of this, and that is this, is that he's giving you, not just himself, but also your portion. He's also giving you of, of who he's called you to be. See, the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. We are members in particular. I know I told you to go to Romans chapter 12, but I love these scriptures here. Uh, let me skip on down here. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, we understand that Christ has gave his life for us, but within that his giving, he's also given us grace. That means the, the call upon our life. <laughs> that means the equipment that goes with it. That means the anointing that goes with it. That means the grace. In other words, when, when you're receiving this, it's almost like this is what I, I, I feel every time. I'm like, you know, if if I'm going to receive this from Christ, if He's given this to me, that not only am I going to receive it, but I'm going to have to do something with it. Because, because in that, you see, the great thing about the body of Christ, every, it, Jesus did so many things in the amount of three years. John says that there's so much detail that there's not enough books, there's not enough manuscripts to, to, to do all that. But do you realize that in the body of Christ, we're a part of that. Yes. God gives us a whole lifetime to, to fulfill our portion of Christ. Can you say amen? amen? So notice Romans 12 and verse 3 says, for, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Why? It's because that person, your brother, your sister next, next to you, they've got their lane. They've got their calling. They, they are... They are um, they're walking out uh, their own salvation. They're, they're being Christ from what Christ has given them. Does that make sense to you? And it says here, it says, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every person the me measure of faith. And so when I would receive communion, I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to take this, I'm going to have to be serious about this. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ is, 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 is giving me and and, and I will tell you, if you study the Bible, you'll find out this is, is that whatever Christ did, whatever God did for us, if you'll study the Bible, God expects uh, nothing less. And we don't have to be nailed to a cross, but the Bible says this, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. That means that you're going to have to have to have to take the word and you're going to have to deny yourself. Why? It's because there's a call upon your life and you're going to have to follow Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. 
part of that communion is it's not just what he did for did for us and we can thank him or whatever, but it's also containing of what God's called us to do. Now let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says it like this. In the New, New Living Translation, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. So in other words, he's giving, he laid his body down. He laid his life down. And so when we take it, we have to lay our bodies down. Doesn't the Bible say that? Because he laid his life down for us, we ought to lay, lay our lives down for him. See, it's not just one-sided. No, this is a covenant. That means that what he's done, done for you, we have to do for him. Yes. Hallelujah, because that's how it works. And so, you know, uh, uh, the King James Version says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. How many know that he saved us by his mercy? Amen. See, so it's by that mercy that he's extended <laughs> to us. Yes. Then we are to do what? We are to present, just as Jesus presented himself, <laughs> a, actually a true sacrifice. But how many know we don't have to go through the same suffering that Jesus did? So the Bible says that we're a different sacrifice. We're a living sacrifice. Amen. 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 We have to be, we, we, we are, uh, like the Apostle Paul said, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of, of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We don't have to die the death he did, but we have to die to self. That's what yes. the cross is for. Yes. Why? So that we can be that living sacrifice. Notice this. Holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. In other words, God, that's God's expectation for yes. us. All right. And so I believe that when that is passed over to us, when we take that and we're reminded, not just what he did, but we have to be reminded of what we're called to do. And sometimes people, people say, well, I just don't know what I'm called to do. Well, have you laid your life down? <laughs> there, I, you know, it's different from, from different people, but I'll just tell you the world, world my wife and I are at right now. <laughs> the reason why we're still here in Cherry, uh, North Carolina is, is because we, we have sold out to everything. We have laid everything down. And we just say, God, it is your will that we're after. Hallelujah. There's people that check on us all the time. <laughs> wondering how we're doing. We're like, we're good. It's because we've activated the grace of God on our life. Can you say amen? Real quickly, the scripture says this. The apostle Paul always reminded the, the Corinthian church, even a couple times in chapter 3 and chapter 6, the first Corinthians, he says in verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, what that means is when we take communion, we've got to understand we're not our own. Yes, amen. That paid for us. And it's not just so that, praise God, our, our sins are forgiven. No, we actually belong to God. Yes, Hallelujah. I'm, I'm glad to be called his own, but then, but I, I'm not making all my own decisions. I'm not just doing what I want to do. I, I want to do what the Holy Ghost wants, us, wants me to do. Can you say amen? Yes. Hallelujah. 
real quickly. Have I gone over my time yet? No. Hallelujah. You know, I heard Pastor Mark Hankins say this, and how many ever heard of Dr. Livingstone? Or, uh, you know, Dr. Livingston, I presume. You ever, you ever heard that years ago? This was in his last journal entry um, right before uh, he died. In his last journal entry, he said this. He says, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all. I, again, dedicate my whole self to thee. My Jesus, my King, my life, my all. Again, I dedicate my whole self to Thee. If we're going to be the body of Christ, we have to understand what Jesus did for us. Every time we're past those elements, We're not just taking him, but we're also taking what he's called us to do. Amen. Thank you. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you tonight. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. If you would bear with me while I open my laptop. <laughs> I must read a little further to fulfill my part of the call. I wouldn't make a tie with 28. That's where Jerry and stopped. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now the word where he's talking here about unworthily, in your own strength and in your own self, you will never be worthy right. of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. It's only by the blood of Jesus, yeah. his sacrifice, that makes us worthy. But many times we get in and we operate in our lives under condemnation and guilt instead of out of love. Yeah. And God wants us to respond to him out of love. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to be made to do something or have to do something. And it's another thing altogether to do it because you want to. Yes. yes. True? True. Mm -hmm. Very true. And he wants us to love him with a passion. That is so undeniable that the world could see it. Mm -hmm. And you should be able to see it yourself. Right. To look at it. So he says there's some things that happen when we don't discern yeah. the Lord's body. Yeah. 
And a lot of times that goes right on over our head that we don't that we don't really comprehend what he's saying. I looked at this word discern. It's to detect, to recognize, to come to know. What do we detect about the body of Christ? What do we recognize about the body of Christ? What have we came to know about the body of Christ? A lot of times we know something about the communion elements that's been passed out since we've seen that since we were children. But it's a whole other thing when we talk about, because he is talking about that, but there's more inclusive than just that. Because Jesus says, we are, the church is his body. That's right. He's the head, we're the body. Yeah. He's got to have a body to work through. That's right. Amen. Just as Jesus has to have a body to work through, Satan has to have bodies to work through. He's got to have people that would cooperate with him. But we are the body of Christ. That's right. Amen. We've been called, and there's a holy calling that's on our life. Yeah. And last night, during the wee hours of the morning, <coughs> I saw some things that I hadn't seen before. I usually don't see nothing at the wee hours of the night except the sheep jumping over the fence. But it was like in the body of Christ there were these shapes. Anybody ever played one of, the, one of those little games that you work with the kids? You know, a star and a circle and a square and you try to, you try to put them and they, they scratch their heads and say, well, this one won't go. This one won't go. And a lot of times it's because we're trying to fit into the wrong place. Yeah. yeah. Brother Nathan, stand with me just a minute. Take it, hold your hands up like this. Now, he's got a shape. And there ain't nobody else in the whole world that's got his same, same fingerprint as he does. And there's a place, you sit down, and there's a place in the body of Christ that nobody else can feel yeah. but you. And God's got a need and God's got a purpose for every one of us. And one of the saddest things, one of the saddest commentaries that I know of is when I hear somebody that's, that's up in years and they said, I don't know why the Lord still has me here. I wish he would just take me home. I... To me, that is a, purpose, a person that has never found their place right. and their purpose right. Right. in life. That's right. They have never learned anything about their supply. Yeah. Because if they knew something about their plot supply, they would be supplying it until the day that they step off into eternity. Right. When they press through that veil right. to the other side, they would know something about it and it wouldn't be no, woe is me, why am I still here? Yeah, that's right. That's, it's just missing. And brothers and sisters, if we, if we don't take a hold, when we become advanced in years, we will be to do the same thing. 
But thank God it doesn't have to be so. He wants us to know what our purpose is. He wants us to know that there's a call of God on our life. And that He's got to have men and women that will stand up for Him and believe in Him and trust in Him and rely on Him. And do it with a passion that they can recognize it their own self. Because there's something about that burning fire of the power of God on the inside of it. He, he's just become so sweet to, to me that he, he just melts me. I mean, he, it's true. I, he just, I come into presence of God and I, I don't do a whole lot of crying, but I'm weeping. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. And I like it. Men ain't supposed to cry. But I like it. Because I want my heart tender before my father. Yeah. Yeah. So when he tells me something that I respond out of love to him. Not out of guilt, but out of love. That's right. There's something that's just so so powerful about that. So Nathan, your your shape fits in the body of Christ. Jill, your shape fits in the body of Christ. And he's got a must that we fit in that place. And there's something that I, that I noticed about it. When we fit in our place in the body of Christ, there is a perfect match. Yes. And you can't even see the seams. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. We are his workmanship. That's right. Created in Christ Jesus. That's good. That's good. Yes. That is good. Amen. Some of the things that I saw dealing with this was that the thing that puts us in our place is not what we think that it would be. It is humility. That we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Yeah. And then he exalts us and makes something out of us. Amen. You say, well, you say, well, here's something that, I, that I've seen. This one thing right there, the humility, is the, the easiest thing and it's the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life. That cup of sanctification. That cup of letting him be boss. Amen. That cup of letting him be number one. It's the easiest and it's also the hardest. You say it's so easy, why can't people get why can't people do it? Because we had to humble ourselves. And nobody can humble you but you. And nobody can humble me but me. Somebody can humiliate you, but they can't humble you. And I saw it like this. I want you to take your fingers. And I want, I, 
please everybody participate in this. This ain't, this ain't, there's, there's something here that the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to, to us. And I, I don't want nobody to miss it because if you don't participate, you will miss it. I promise you, you will miss it. Take your fingers and put on your forehead. Please, Bobby. Please. Now, rub it. I want you to rub it again and, and take a mental note of just how that, how, how that feels. Because you're going to do it again in just a minute. Touch your fingers in that. I want every, everybody's going to do it. We're going to do this. Now I want you to do the same thing that you did just a moment ago. Rub your forehead the same way. Is it different? What's different? It's easier. There's a smoothness. Here's what I got from the Holy Ghost last night. You may not know what your place is. You may not know what your calling is. You may not know what your supply that you're supposed to bring when you come into the church is. But if you will, I will, we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we will slide into that place. Come on. Amen. 
And if you'll keep your heart tender before him. It was like, sort of like this. I was, I was, was imagining this uh, round area. But it had a slight concave to it. But when the oil got on it, and I'm going to use me, I was here on, <clears throat> that's me on that plate. And as I humble myself before God, that oil slides me right into my place. You don't have to manufacture your call. Yes. You don't have to man to manufacture your call. It's like rubbing here with no oil. But getting before God and falling in love with Him and humbling ourselves. Because if you're going to fall in love with God, you're going to humble yourself before Him. Because pride, pride will stand up against Him instead of humbling ourselves before Him. And many times what we do in church is in, instead of practicing repentance, we practice penance. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. We keep doing that same thing we've always done. Yeah. Then say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, instead of repenting. Yeah. Now, in repenting, there's something that's different. Yes. Here's, here's a picture of repenting. I'm going this way and God arrests me and gets my attention and I stop right where I'm at. And there's a change of heart and there's a change of direction. And I turn and do an about face and go to, and go the way that I'm supposed to go. We've all been after our own devices. But God's calling us to a higher place. To a higher place. Of being consecrated to Him. Amen. Not discerning the Lord's body. He says, He says this. He says, For this cause, many are weak, That's right. and many are sickly, and many sleep yes. or die, die. prematurely. Yep. Now, God has a way of heading things off at the pass. So if, you, if you're in a weakened condition in your body, he says, judge yourself. How are you fitting? How are you fitting? How are you fitting? The next progression is sickly. And a lot of times we justify our sickness instead of humbling ourselves before God. This ain't no club to beat people with, but it's something to recognize about ourselves. Because that can, nobody can humble you but you. And nobody can humble me but me. But the love of God is so great that He doesn't want us Dying prematurely. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. How do I know that? 
He says, because it says in the scripture, with long life I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Yeah. But salvation must be adhered to and grasped in order for it to take place. So, I want us to do something together tonight as a body. Mm -hmm. See, when we hear that word, if a man will judge himself, a lot of times we just, we all automatically, our mind runs to, I'm missing it here, and I'm missing it here, and I'm missing it here. But you know, if you, if you go to the county fair, and I entered, I entered some things in the county fair one time, and I thought maybe I would get a yellow or a, at least a red ribbon. And I walked out with five blue ribbons and one best in the show. So judging not only has to do with what you may be doing wrong, but it also has to do with what you are doing right. So don't club yourself. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And acknowledge Him and look to Him. Oh, it's such a sweet place. Such a sweet, sweet, sweet place. He said, So, if somebody were weak and sickly, and on the verge of dying premature. Thank God for mercy. Amen. God's great interception plan. That we don't have to fall prey to it. Amen. We humble ourselves. And the oil of the Holy Spirit. Just. It lets us slide into our place. But it also makes it easier for things to roll off of us that don't need to be there. Thank you. That don't need to be there. And don't you think you'll do this one time and you'll be done? You'll have to do it many times. So, Here's what I would like for us to do because there's some things that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do in this house tonight. One of them is he's calling us all to a, to a, a deeper relationship with him. Why is he calling us to a deeper relationship with him than where we are right now? Because there's more of him to be had. He wants us to experience him. That we might know him and the power of his resurrection. He wants us to know that without a shadow of a doubt. He wants us to experience that life. The other morning, I talked, Sandy and I were, were praying and reading together. And I said, I just got a revelation. I said, she said, What you said? I said, Everything that it took. To raise Jesus from the dead. When we take it just in storybook form, it don't take very much. But in actuality, that was the greatest work that God ever did. That's right. There was more power that, that it took to raise Jesus from the dead 
and overcome death in every phase. And I, I said, everything that it took to raise Jesus from the dead, he's invested in that name. That's why he's given him a name that's above every name. It ain't just a pretty little uh, scripture that we can quote. He wants us to know that. The power that's in his name. The power that's in his blood. The power that's in his life. And he wants us to partake of that. So, I want us to take. And you be honest before God. There's two people that you need to be honest with. Yourself and God. If you ain't honest with nobody else, you need to be honest with yourself and God. Tell him that you want to know what your purpose is. Tell him that you want to know what that call is that's on your life. And then humble yourself before him. And give him the, the right and the privilege to be able to slide you right into that spot. Glory, he is so good. Mm. He is so good. So let's do that. That's not all we're going to do. We're going to do. We're going to do a little bit more. But let's do that first, and then we're going to seal some things. Father, you see our lives. You called us before we were born. It's not your will that any would perish. But it's your will that all would come to know you. Father, I want to know my place. I want to be right in the middle of my call. I want to function in my purpose because I want to bring glory to your name. So I humble myself before you and I ask. And you said there's nobody who asks that doesn't receive. There's nobody who seeks that doesn't find. And there's not a door when I knock that you'll sh keep shut to me, but you'll open and reveal yourself to me. So, Father, I humbly ask you. I asked you for myself and I asked you for my brothers and sisters. Don't let 
catch these things with your heart. Father, that that, that that call and that purpose would burn, would burn with a passion inside of us. That's true worship when it comes out of me. Because if we're in agreement with what God says, then we can have what God says that we can have. Yes. But when we're not in agreement, we're in covenant. We're in covenant. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. Now, I, I, I read that, but I want, I want to emphasize something, and I want, I want you to see it, and I want you to do it with me. And I'm wanting, I'm wanting to make a point here because we're going to do a prayer of agreement with God. Yes. It's one thing to do a prayer of agreement. He said if anybody on earth touches in agreement. But it's something altogether when you get in agreement with your Heavenly Father. Now, here's the way that it came to me a while back. God said, here's what God said. I'd like for you to read it with me. 
Here's what God said. God, you said. You said. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. That's what he said. Now here's the prayer of agreement. I said, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. Now that's making David say the same thing that God said. That's agreement. When I say what God says, I'm in agreement. Don't try to make God say what you say. You go to a higher level and a higher plane and make yourself say what God says. And it'll bring you up to a place that you can't get to any other way. Now go to Matthew 8, 17. God said that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses <coughs> I see yes. let's get in agreement with him that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saying what God says. I'm agreeing with what God says. I'm not trying to convince him of something. He's trying to convince me of something. He's wanting me to get on the page with him. And if I can get on the page with him, I can have what he says. Because this is talking about my Jesus and what my Jesus. And I'm part of the body. See, there's a place that I fit, and there's a place that you fit. Now you go to 1 Peter 2.24. should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Yeah. That's what God said. Yeah. 
That's what God said. Yes. Now, for me to be in agreement, I've got to say what He says. That's right. So let's say what He says. Who His own self bears sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes He were healed. Now. You can sit here and nitpick all night long and say, I'm sick because of this and I'm sick because of that. And it ain't going to make one hill of beans. Because the why, just judge yourself. And humble yourself. And let's take a hold of the provision. Now, the Bible says that God's Word is medicine. It's health to those who find it. Health to all their flesh. So in discerning the Lord's body, and my fellow ministers have done a super job. Thank you. Thank you of bringing out the Word. We all had a different task, but we're all on the same page. Because there's healing that's made available in the body of Christ and for the body of Christ. So, Brother Nathan, I want you to come help me. Sister Jerry, I want you to come help me. See, in the body of Christ, we're all servants. That's what we do. We humble ourselves and serve. We serve one another. And as we serve one another, we serve our Heavenly Father. When we serve one another, we serve our call. We find our place. So, Brother Nathan, I want you to start. Sister Jerry, and I want you to follow right after him. And I want you to, to take of these elements. Don't eat them and drink it yet. We're going to do that together as a whole. You just take it and have it, have it ready to go. If there's something that's, that's, that, that's in your heart that you need to let it go, Sandy and I pray every night. I have no ought against any. If you've got any ought against any, we'll let it go. If you've got the least bit of unforgiveness about you, let it go. It's not worth your health, and it's not worth missing your healing. Because Jesus bore it. Jesus born. He took it.
Did you notice there were two parts in the communion? It's, it's not just one part. There's two parts. There's two components that make something complete. His body was broken by his stripes were healed. Jesus took that. He didn't take that beating upon him for nothing. He took it for a purpose. Everything God does, he does on purpose. So just as you would take, if you went to the doctor and you were going to take some medication, Jesus, is his body is healing medication. But it's got to be mixed with faith. So here's what I would encourage you to believe. When I put this in my mouth, I'm going to take what Jesus bore for me. Because he said, what I bear, you need not bear. If it didn't, he wasted it. Don't let the sacrifice of Jesus be a wasted thing. We're not no hero by trying to man up for, or woman up for just being sick. God gets glory when his people walk in him. So let's take it tonight. Father, you made a way where there was no way. You made a provision for David. And you made a provision for my brothers and sisters that we could have health because your word says that by your stripes we're healed. I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it. So I take this and I receive of you. The second component was the cup. He said, that's the New Testament, the new covenant that's in my blood. He washes away sin. He cleanses and makes whole and new. He refreshes.